0: And welcome, listeners, to the fourth and penultimate episode of our Body Snatchers Month series. Ooh. Yay. Is it? It's a... Wow. It's a, apparently. It's been a good month so far. You know, we <laughs> had uh, brainwashed teens and alien slug teens and fembots, and mm. now I guess we have zombie alien slug teens.
1: Co-ed slugs. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Don't Co- know. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes to show that, you know, once again, Body Snatchers can be anyone, right? Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's right. Representation matters. Uh, which is a is <laughs> a great it message does. for Pride <laughs> Month. Uh, We have also had some like really snatched bodies this month. You know, we've had uh, the beautiful James Marston in Disturbing Behavior and
1: uh,
0: uh, Daddy Patrick uh, Robert Patrick in The Faculty. So that was Mm -hmm. nice. I think Um, Josh
1: Hartnett does count if he just cut his hair. Yes.
0: Yes. It it, it would be great if that happened. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So uh, what's the film we're talking about today? Night of the Creeps. Yes. Yes. But before we dig into that discussion, we have another very special guest with us today. We Uh, do? Yes, 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 yes. I know. Please welcome Joe Lipset. Welcome, Joe. Hi. 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 Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Yeah, of course. You know, listeners, many of you likely know Joe as the co-host of the pioneering queer horror podcast, aptly titled... Horror Queers trademark symbol, right? Uh, I totally up... <laughs> stole that before any of y'all could get on it. <laughs> yeah, good call, good call. Because uh, we were, we, uh, what was the one? we were thinking about being the final gaze or something, and someone had already taken that. I so think they it, did uh, that. Oh yeah, yeah yep. there there was one. Yeah. That was like last homos
1: on the left or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know. like these these names they go fast. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a it's um, <laughs> Yeah. I'm happy with what we'd sign him up, whatever. Uh, yeah, sure. and of course, Horror Queers is uh, co-hosted with Trace Thurman, who we would also love to get on here at some point. I'd love to have him mm-hmm. and his husband, Andrew, on. Joe, of course, also writes for a slew of websites, such as uh, horror, horror uh, Queer Horror Movies, which is your blog, right, Joe? That is, yeah. And, yes, and um, Bloody Disgusting, of course, and Anatomy of a Scream, That Shelf, The Spool, grim Magazine, so many
2: things. Um, so yeah, thanks again for coming on, Joe. It's great. Um oh, honestly my pleasure and I'm so excited to talk about Night of the Creeps cuz it's one of my personal faves. Yeah, That's me a good too. Choice. Me too. I love yeah. it.
0: Yeah. Um and, you and Trace have really been, you know, just thriving in this uh community over the past couple years. Um I remember listening to the very first episode you did with the the speed dating and the scream combination episode, which that
2: was 2018, right? Like couple years Well, geez. Yeah. When you say it that way. (laughs) Yes. Uh, we debuted the podcast back in January of 2018. Uh, and of course we had been writing together for a year before that. So we kind of got to know each other a little bit through our writing. And then as Trace likes to say, I nagged on him for about a year and then he finally agreed to do a podcast with me. (laughs) Nice. Nice yeah i I'm constantly impressed by how much content
0: the two of you like produce every week because you do your normal episodes, but then you also have the mini sodes and the bonus episodes and the commentary tracks um and all of this is through patreon um yeah uh, so you know congrats on that, and do you have any like time management tips because it seems like you know
2: you're you're constantly working <laughs> i mean i I don't know how other people do it when one person is primarily responsible for doing the editing that that is to us the big issue um you know initially when you start a podcast you're like this isn't so bad i love doing it and i love talking about things and then you're like oh that's not the part of the podcast that's the work the the editing becomes the heavy lifting part so exactly um i'm lucky enough that trace and i alternate so like really we're only doing half of that work and then uh yeah i mean the the thing is is that if you enjoy doing it then it doesn't feel like work it feels like something that you're proud of and that you hope that people are going to respond to so the reason that we like doing the patreon stuff is because it gives us an outlet to cover different types of movies so you know we have a bit of a mandate with horror queers that we try to cover mostly queer films or films that have a strong queer component and the Patreon allows us to talk about you know films like ma which are just campy as fuck oh sorry Mm -hmm. i can swear right oh god yeah yeah. of course (laughs) (laughs) um and, of course, there's an argument to be made that any movie that has a high camp factor is automatically into the Queer Hall of Fame for horror. Mm-hmm. But, uh, right. sure. yeah, it's it. as long as it's fun, then it's a good time. And it's when the work starts to get you bogged down, then you're like, okay, so maybe we need to reconsider what we've agreed to. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure, yeah.
0: And you guys have a great community on uh, Facebook as well. Um, uh, listeners, if you want to join the Horror Queers group on Facebook, it's a great uh just group of people, uh, fans of the podcast and just kind of uh, getting together and talking about a lot of different things. It's, it's a great little community Mm. that you found So That's awesome.
2: Yeah. Um, And honestly, that's not even us. Like that's just a bunch of really great people who are happy to, to create, I mean, I'm always hesitant to say, oh, they created a safe space, but it's like, it's a place where people are genuinely kind to each other and they're interested in what each other right. is up to. And we just have to, sure. you know, occasionally moderate from somebody who wants to plug some random product that we're just like, I'm sorry, who are you? Get out of <laughs> here. Yeah.
1: yeah. No, actually, I think yeah, that I, group is kind I, of... True. Yeah. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, well, I, well, um, I mean, you know, I, I I was um added to a, f- a, f- a few kind of LGBT groups and... A lot of them are kind of mean. Mm-hmm. Like, there's some... Yeah. Some of those are kind of sketchy. And this one is really the only one that is pretty much consistently kind. And and so I really appreciate that. Because a lot of them are just like, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> like, you're so mean. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We, we also seem to have collected a
2: bunch of people who... They actually know their stuff. Which I don't... Mm-hmm. We try not to gatekeep, but... It does sometimes seem like what the internet fosters is this compulsion to be like, I've watched this movie for the first time today, and it wasn't scary at all. Has oh. anybody ever heard of Psycho? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what? Of course you're we like, have. Oh, yeah. like... Okay, okay.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's like, okay, great. You got to experience Psycho for the first time. But like, when you're approaching it as though you are the first one in lived history to have mm-hmm. experienced this seminal film, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. people, please, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. it's
1: pretty pretty much like in all of those groups. It's like once, once about every week, there's someone that that's like, well, I finally saw hereditary. I thought it sucked. I'm like, why bother? Like, that's not even worthy of of a post. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just come on. It's so negative.
2: And it is. I mean, I don't. I don't really subscribe to the rah-rah-hurrah thing that some people in the horror community do where it's like, we're all in this together. I'm like, we're also all individuals and we're allowed Mm -hmm. to not always get along or we're allowed to have differences of opinions. But when it comes to, like, I'm just going to talk about this movie and how much I hated it, it's like, (laughs) or you could tell us about a movie that you like
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: we could
2: talk about that instead. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Do you have any, like, favorite horror queers
0: episodes out of curiosity?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, I have favorites for different types of reasons. So there's episodes that I'm really proud of. Like, I feel as though we've done a really, really good job. And, like, Trace and I are in agreement that we think the Martyrs episode that we did from earlier this year is kind of one of our best in terms of being amusing and interesting to listen to, but also trying to really dig down into the heart of like a particular national film movement and talking about a film that upsets people a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then it's also super fun to just get on there and talk about the best, you know, chase scenes in recent contemporary horror and say like let's spend 15 minutes talking about Helen shivers (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) and why not she deserves her 15 minutes damn it oh my god Mm -hmm. she deserves her own fucking spinoff i know god that
0: still just makes me so sad oh man yeah both of your scream episodes are a blast and you guys do one of those
2: every year that's kind of the agreement right this is the thing, yeah. Which also kind of <laughs> sucks because it means that we won't get to talk about Scream Four for like another year and a half. <laughs> oh, right, right. We like to de- we like to dangle things, though. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. that came out differently than I maybe thought it. Did. <laughs> 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 Just swing it around, right? <laughs> Just touch, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> that is too blue for this fine, upstanding program we have here. Yeah. We we get a family audience. Yeah, oh, you guys yeah. are classy. Uh, sorry, I'm just <laughs> yeah, yeah. out. It's a family show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were multiple
0: podcasts that you know um, inspired us to to do this, but it was I would say mainly you, you and Trace, and um, of course Stacy and Anthony over at Guilds of Darkness. Um, so you know, uh, thank you for you know just continuing to you know be a pioneer in this uh, burgeoning field. Right. Um, I listened to the <laughs> symposium that you guys did with um, Michael Friday and that was really interesting as well a lot of voices in there and um like you said uh, the good point was brought up that it does seem to be uh, we, we need to see more diversity you know right oh, yeah. behind um, these podcasts and um you know and of course uh guilty over here as well right um we Chris and I are both aware that we are two cis white male uh gay dudes um so we of course are always try to be inclusive and you know try to welcome uh as many different um uh, voices as we can and we're going to continue doing that as well and um yeah, um, I just hope to continue seeing, you know, more and more different types of voices in this ever-growing queer horror table. Um, and you guys mm-hmm. talked about that a lot, too, on that episode, so it was it was nice to hear that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that I'd encourage people to check out is that there's actually quite a few more out there than people realize. And, sure. there you know, there are a couple of, like, really hidden gems that don't have the same listener base as we do and it's one of the things that we try to do on the show is to seek out other queer horror podcasts and and try to have them come on so that yeah not only so that it's not always just the two white guys talking but you maybe get different types of voices different types of experiences but um i mean at the end of the day i don't feel like queer horror should also apologize because we to a certain extent we are still kind of the new kids on the block right like there's been a Mm -hmm. lot of queer or sorry there's been a lot of horror podcasts out there for a long time and it's yeah like a lot of straight men talking about tits and other fun things Mm -hmm. so on one hand i'm kind of like you know what if if there's just more queer horror podcasts out there then that's a good thing but also goddamn, what i love to hear like honestly i don't know where all of my queer lesbians are there's like right, stop right. horror time and then there's double a horror. And I think there's like maybe another one that I'm probably forgetting off the top of my head. Apologies, but it's like, yeah, people seek out the lesbians and we need people of color and we need trans people coming in like heavy, heavy, heavy. Cause we are missing those voices mm-hmm. for sure. For sure.
0: Okay. That was a nice little discussion here. Uh, let's jump over to night of the creeps, which purportedly that's what we're talking about today. Um, <laughs> well, we'll so, see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Um, what are your histories with this film? You know, is this a recent film for free both or is this something
2: you have seen a long time ago? Um, Jody was start. Sure. Yeah. So I, I can't quite remember the Genesis of when I first saw this film, uh, I think it probably would have been back in my teen years. My dad had a propensity of like dropping me off at the video rental store and just coming back and collecting me in about a half an hour, and I would just have an arm <laughs> full of movies. And of course, yes. I would always pick them based on the covers, because that's what you did when you were old enough to remember VHS. Mm-hmm. And I remember always really liking this film and the tagline. Like, the tagline's super funny, so... Yes. Uh, So I think I must have checked it out there, but I don't have like a super vivid memory of it. And I think in part it's because I didn't really understand that the film was paying homage to about a million other movies. So it just seems like a weird off-kilter, like, why am I watching this space movie? And it's in black and white, but there's also an urban legend going on. And then there's a man who's been frozen. Like, It seemed like a very (laughs) odd disconnect to me, like, oh, I don't think this filmmaker quite knew what he was doing. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) this is why teenagers should you know go back and rewatch movies as they become adults because amen oh very much yeah (laughs) you realize oh i'm the one who misjudged this movie it's not that this (laughs) filmmaker didn't know what they were doing they knew exactly what they were doing (laughs) yeah
1: yeah 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 nice um chris what about you oh well i can vividly recall because it was spring break of my sixth grade year It's very specific. And my mom took me to the, once again, video store. And I would rent five movies for five days for five bucks. That was their, you know, that was their shtick. And uh, usually there'd be like one one or two that I really liked or loved. And the rest would either just be like okay or just like just really, really bad. But this time, I remember that all five were fantastic because I got – this one I got uh Texas Chainsaw 2, uh the last horror film Slaughter High, and I think the Dorm that dripped blood and I remember just being blown away because I liked all of them. And uh and that was very very hard to uh to do back in the day. And I, I think I, I had seen the artwork when I was really, really young, and I think I wanted to rent it, but I wasn't allowed to because it was R, and also because I was too scared. So because <laughs> it looked really scary. Right. Yeah, I think uh, for me it was
0: college. Um, I don't remember the like genesis of you know why, but I, I feel like I'd seen just some random website that was like. Uh, these are all, here, here's a list of all these great movies that are set around Halloween time. And I'm like, but is this set around Halloween time? Like, even as is I'm watching, no? I'm like, but is it? But anyway, <laughs> one of those lists where they that. think they know what they're talking about, though. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and I, I, I really enjoyed it at the time, but I think I was old enough to where I had, you know, I had seen like all the Scream movies and, you know, blah, 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 all that, and, and Buffy, and of course, and I think that had sort of influenced my taste as well because I was like, oh my gosh, like, here I thought that like Scream was like the first meta horror movie. And then I go back and watch this movie from the 80s that's like so incredibly meta and self aware mm-hmm. and so smart and it just i think it it really opened up a lot in my head as well too because i'm like okay well if if this was in the 80s then uh, let me go back and watch all these other films from the 80s and 70s and i just kept going back and back further in time so it really was kind of a nice gateway horror film in that sense um and of course uh, joe you guys have uh covered this
2: um, in writing form over horror Queries as well right we have, yeah. So we covered this last year, just before the Scream slash Shout Factory Blue came out, that has, of course, both the theatrical cut as well as the director's cut. Right.
0: Right. Um, which did you... Uh, I, I mainly just watched the director's cut for this. It doesn't really matter much, right? Because it, the only difference is the ending. Um, yeah, it's like it's the It's the beginning and the ending, s- yeah.
1: A few seconds, I think, right? It's just like a...
2: What's different in the beginning? I didn't even... Oh, I might be wrong on this. Do we we see the inside of the spaceship with the butt aliens in the theatrical cut? Yeah. (laughs) I think so. Those
1: aliens, are so cute. I love them.
2: (laughs) Apparently, Fred Decker didn't realize that that might get a laugh. Uh, Like, he didn't intentionally mean to make that funny. And when he saw it in a theater with people for the first time and they laughed, he was like, oh... (laughs) <laughs> and then realize that that was actually a good thing because it's giving the audience permission to laugh throughout the rest of it. Like, it's cueing so you that you can huh. laugh at this movie.
1: Because they're just nice. so adorable. And and, and <laughs> I just I love them so much. Oh, they're yeah, adorable. They're so yeah. They're so cute.
0: Yeah. Um, so I'll try to set the scene here a little bit, um, which I've been trying to do for the past couple of see- uh, films that we've done. Um, so today we're hopping in our DeLorean, right, and heading back to 1986. Um which notably Night of the Creeps was released a mere one year after Back to the Future and perhaps more more importantly, uh, of course, The Breakfast Club, Um, which is to say that you can feel like these John Hughes vibes throughout this whole movie. Um, Everything from the fashion to the character archetypes to the the snappy dialogue. Um, The filmmakers were obviously influenced by Sixteen Candles and Weird Science and Breakfast Club and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I also wonder if that's partly why this film didn't perform as well. Um, I'd be interested to hear both of your thoughts on this as well. Uh, It's... I think maybe there was just this really oversaturation of these kind of films and theaters at the time. Um, yeah. Uh, because from what I understand, it did not do well in the box office. Uh, and I think to some degree, like this kind of teen horror brand, I don't think had really been codified yet. Like, of, of course we had slashers, but they were still not necessarily this style, you know, it didn't have this kind of fun, accessible vibe to it. Um, So yeah, I'm just always curious why this film didn't do better than it did because it is so much fun and it seems like something that would have taken off. But
1: yeah, Yeah, I don't get it. It's kind of strange because because then uh, Fred Decker did the Monster Squad, I guess the next year, I think. Yeah, Yeah. and that was also kind of a a flop. And I just think, my God, this guy made these two fantastic films, and and you know, there's (laughs) and what, what did he really have to show for it? And I mean, of course, now they're, you know, these 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 really big kind of cult films. But at at the time, I'm sure he was just so depressed. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think it's just it's a little too much
2: of everything for people. Like, sure. Part of the attraction, part of the attraction of slashers is that uh really, at the end of the day, they're fairly straightforward, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. usually a person killing off a group of individuals, usually teens. And here, you've got that, but you're also hearkening back to the 50s of, like, B-movies and alien invasion films, and you know, the, as you said, Kevin, the dialogue is is whip-smart, but Mm -hmm. it also has a protagonist that's, like, a 45-year-old Tom Atkins, who's, like, Grizzled, and he doesn't seem to be in the same movie with some of these teams. That's true. That's very true. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, like, I'm imagining the marketing of this trying to sell the comedy and the horror and the different types of horror that's getting mixed in. But also, at the end of the day, I feel like people don't like slugs. Yeah, I also think that the kind of body snatcher
0: paranoia thriller. Uh, aspect of this was a little trite by this point in time because Mm -hmm. in the 70s you had quite a few films like this with the the Stafford Wives and Shivers like you mentioned Joe and um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers um, and then a little bit in the early 80s with like Dead and Buried and Strange Behavior and even The Thing to some degree Um, so I think Mm -hmm. like between 1983 and 1993 Night of the Creeps is one of the few that really sort of uh, tackle this Body Snatchers vibe maybe they live a little bit but that's again a different kind of thing there um so maybe people were just kind of bored with this subgenre as well at the time um and because uh, it didn't really come back until like the 90s with like the puppet masters and body snatchers and disturbing behavior and the faculty um so yeah i don't know i, I i'm sure there's a lot of you, know, you can point the finger at a lot of reasons why this film didn't do as well as it did but um yeah, i'm glad then, that like
1: it... even then though like not none of those films really did mm-hmm. amazing right true business so it's like is is there something against body snatcher films (laughs) like i I, yeah like i think maybe the 78 body snatchers did all right maybe i think that might be the only one that actually did okay at the box office so i wonder if there's just something about the the concept that people just don't seem to want to see it's 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 weird yeah, I mean, there's also a level
2: of sophistication with the body snatcher kind of films in mm-hmm. of the seventies. Like they're very political. Whereas exactly. in mm-hmm. the later mm-hmm. iterations, specifically in the eighties and the nineties, it often seems like we're using it as I mean, there's still social commentary based in that, but it's almost always teenagers, right? Like yeah. so we see mm-hmm. this film and then particularly the ones in the nineties, which of course everything was teenagers at that point because of, course, of yeah. But uh it's hard to envision the kind of political mindedness that accompanied the, the operating procedure of these films in the seventies, translating to teenagers and still managing to attract an adult audience. True. Yeah.
0: Now that makes sense. Yeah. It's uh we've, we've kind of talked about too a recurring theme in these films is sort of uh, these other characters um, that we as queer people can latch onto while uh, these, these hordes of arguably like repressed straight people come and try to turn them into Mm -hmm. what they are. And um, Mm -hmm. you see a little bit of that with this as well, you know, with these um, because ultimately at the end of the film, it's the, the frat guys that are doing the attacking, even though (laughs) they are zombie, zombified, of course, but, and of course, and we'll get into JC, of course, but, and you, and you guys have covered JC extensively in your, in your article. um, But there's a lot
2: of queerness there. And, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. um, and guess what? Straight people don't see it at all. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's crazy! It's crazy to me. <laughs> it's so obvious. <laughs> it really is. And I, I, I feel like we really start to see this in the '80s, and I can, uh, I can say this definitively because I'm a child of the '80s. But it, sure. it feels in some ways like the decade that broke horror. Um, yeah. Just because it really proved that there's a lot of cash to be made off of teenagers, so the the business model pivots to focus on that. And I don't know. That the adults, like when you're making a horror film, I think the idea is like, well, you're either making an A24 horror movie, which is for adults and it's really going to make them think and it's well made, and this director is an auteur, or you're making the made for Netflix Assimilate movie, which is starring a WB star and somebody from Yugoslavia, and it's got <laughs> yeah. a budget of $20 and a plastic mask from right. Dollar Tree. Right. Exactly. Thank you, Bloom
0: house right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, this film was, of course, directed and written by Fred Decker, um, which we talked about, who also wrote The Monster Squad, uh, and he uh, came up with a story for House, anyway, uh, the 80s House, of I course. that's right. Um, yeah. Which, I really like The Monster Squad a lot as well. I think, I'm surprised both of these films, like, you never see them on, like, Freeform, like, when they do their 31 Days of Halloween. Like, these seem like movies that would fit into that brand, but...
1: Oh, they they're, would, yeah.
0: They're just content to play, like, Hocus Pocus all month, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gosh. Which, you know, I, I love Ben Midler, but, you know, like, when you see it, like, every day on the, the program, it's like, all right. Um, I, I saw they, they just added Scream last year, which was interesting.
1: Um, I'm I sure it's, like, cut to shreds. But, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think I remember when that first aired, I think it was on Fox, I think, and yeah. it was ripped to shreds. I oh, mean, yeah. there was, I think they cut out, they cut cut out entire scenes Uh, Billy would be so mad I know yes
2: he would Uh. Yeah, Decker hasn't done a whole lot since this movie, which
0: is kind of going to be a recurring theme, I think, as we go through this, when we talk about the cast. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of what he did, Robocop 3, um, some uncredited rewrites on some other things, and of course the Predator reboot, which I
2: never saw. Did both of you oh, see it? I was going to say, are I you going to trash the Predator review? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not see the, the reboot, so I'm I curious. Yeah, it. I, see I have seen it. I did a review for Bloody Disgusting, and people didn't like it that I said that Olivia Munn's only role in that is to do a strip tease so uh, <laughs> let's just say that the, the straight horror bros came at me for that one. Oh, oh I'm sure no. that know. one um, has the touch of studio interference in it as well because um, Fred Decker from what I've seen of his filmography he's too savvy to have made a film that mm, let's just say that it has a few problematic aspects to it but it also just feels like hey can we get a bit more of here as decreed by studio head X kind of deal. Right. Cause it doesn't right. entirely make sense. Like there's scenes that have clearly been cut or scenes that have been added in and the flow of the movie is kind of wrong. Like it's not bad. It's kind of fun, but it also is pretty stupid.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he seems like a big just horror and genre nerd in general with like someone like Kevin Williamson and, um, Joss Whedon, uh, because he includes all these references to all these horror films that came earlier. Um, mm-hmm. That's uh, which why again, it's just another reason why I'm, I'm surprised this film is not. I think I think it has built up more of a cult following than it did have, but I'm, I'm surprised yes. it's not yeah, yeah. bigger, um, especially among yeah. like uh, uh, younger millennials and you know who grew up on the. The, the screen films and everything else it, it seems like it would be up there, alley. But, um, hopefully maybe this, doing this episode and the article that you wrote will continue to draw more people to the film because uh,
2: it deserves more love. So. Yeah. So. I don't think it was very accessible for a lot of people either. Like I mm-hmm. had a bootleg DVD for the longest time until, uh, Scream shout factory released it last year um yeah. but i also just noticed that in anticipation of watching this when i posted that i was watching it somebody was like where's the streaming and i was like well folks there is such a thing as physical media unfortunately <laughs> yeah. but, um, please it's support we yeah. just been added to shutter
1: the uh sure. the tape was out out of print for for years and years and mm-hmm. years and i think on ebay it, it would get like astronomical And I want to say there was a DVD release, like, in 2009, maybe, and people, like, lost their shit because everybody was just dying to get this. So, yet, for the longest time, I think the only way you could watch it was, I think it was sci-fi would kind of play it every now and then, Mm -hmm. and that was about it. So, it was really hard to find. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Which, again, just kind of feels like a missed opportunity, right? Like, here's the 50th iteration of Hocus Pocus in two days. But also, we can't spring for this film that, I mean, arguably, it doesn't have the name recognition and actually i do think that's maybe one of the other problems with this film is that it's so similar to all of the other night movies like true it's obviously true. part oh, of the yeah. in, it's the intentionality of the title but you know when you start to say like what's your favorite night movie and people are like night of the <laughs> living dead night of the comet all yeah, right, night right. Of yeah. the right.
0: <laughs> True," exactly true. yeah i think people hear the title and they're like oh it's going to be you know some sort of schlocky thing Mm -hmm. which it is to a degree but it's also very intelligent with the schlock you know (laughs) yeah yeah and uh, you can just feel his, like, adoration for everything that came before it, even with the, the character names, um, you know, like, oh, Chris Romero and
2: James Carpenter Hooper and Cynthia Cronenberg. And it's, it's, it's not so subtle there, but I love it. <laughs> I was going to say, this, yeah. like, that is 100% me writing a fanfic horror script in high school. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Back me up here. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. At first, we're, we're going like, go oh, to go yeah,
1: to University. <laughs> I
0: love yeah. it. Right. And, like, it... it, it like in his partial defense, there, like it's like there had not been a ton of like meta horror no. films like this beforehand. Um, uh, I, I would be curious to see like if Kevin Williams Williamson was at all influenced by. I know like Jason um, Jason Lives was something that had been cited as an inspiration for him, but it seems like this w- would be very much in his
2: um, up his alley as well. So I don't know, just curious, but yeah, who oh, knows? Yeah. I think particularly when you guys... for the faculty when you think about it, right
0: yeah for sure oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, which I'm surprised we didn't bring this up when we were talking about the faculty because there's a lot of this in the faculty oh, I
1: know yeah like... uh, missed uh, opportunity you know you're oh, well. forgiven half
2: the time you're like I'm focused on this movie I can't think about a movie I'm covering in two weeks exactly <laughs> exactly yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i I guess let's just kind of talk through the film a little bit here
0: um if we get bogged down we can skip forward as we go but uh so we open in 1959 aboard a spaceship we have these two aliens race to keep up with an experiment that has been released by a third member of their crew um, who seems to be possessed and the tube contains an experiment of some sort and it just gets launched into space which i love the scene it's so fun
2: it just immediately
0: sets you off kilter like
1: wait what am i watching (laughs) exactly, yes, exactly. Like, what is this like exactly what is wrong with their butts i don't know it's like they're so they just i love their butts they're so cute <laughs> <laughs> i just want a little
0: a little it. plush one right to keep in your home and yeah
1: oh yeah uh, Merchandise item oh
0: and then we cut to sorority row not to be confused with sorority row from 2009 but uh oh, she looks awful yeah she <laughs> <laughs> um and uh, of course, all these fifties these fifty scenes are set in black and white, um, just just to hammer the, the fact that we're in the fifties, right? Uh, Which I love. Um, oh, it's so yeah, cool. I, I do too. I, I, as a kid, like the the idiot that I was, like really, I'm talking really young kid here. I was like, oh, like people grew up in black and white back then. That's interesting because that was all <laughs> I'd ever seen was these people in black and white on TV.
2: Even with something like Pleasantville, I was like, oh, okay, interesting. <laughs> Well, Pleasantville is actually a documentary. You know, that's how we got color. Ah, into the
1: yes, world. it's true. Ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, people stopped being that a little in a less. Book.
2: Yeah, they stopped being a little less bigoted, and suddenly the
0: <laughs> color
2: started coming. Yeah. All yeah. we needed they was knew. Reese Witherspoon to fuck some guy, and color came into the world. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's the one of the best parts of that movie. It's yeah, a... yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, a lot of um,
0: good period details in these scenes um, with the poodle skirts and the 50s hairstyles. Um, and then we meet the young copper, Ray, discovers, who discovers that his girlfriend, Pam, has been smoozing uh, on lookout point with another boy. And he doesn't get super angry. He mostly just looks really sad
2: by yeah. this. and uh, um, oh. I feel uh, bad for Ray. He's got a terrible arc in this movie. I mean, it's great does, for us yes. to watch, but... <laughs> yeah, but
1: it's really sad. Right.
0: And then suddenly a giant meteor rock comes flying from the sky and crashing down to earth a short ways from where they are. And uh, Pam and Johnny uh, go to investigate. Meanwhile, the car radio announces that a murderous mental institute patient has escaped custody after he, this uh, person has killed four orderlies in a brutal, brutal spree. I can't talk. Um, so, yeah, that, that kind of cues you in right off the bat. Like, Joe, you mentioned, like, how just everything but the kitchen sink here, even in this initial scene of, like, we have aliens, and now we're in the 50s, but then we also have this escape mental patient. And it's like, okay, there's a lot going on here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and no time to uh, catch our breath, either. It's, like, it's no. literally None. None. introduction to characters, look at point, death.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, while... Uh, the, this investigation of this meteor site is happening, uh, we see that, presumably, this escaped mental patient is sneaking up on Pam in her car, and he swings an axe at her, but the uh, scene suddenly goes black. And then we cut to Pledge Week, 20 years later in 1986. This is uh, this is kind of a bonus episode of our Sorority Slashers Month, Chris. <laughs> I was
1: kind of... Th- yeah, I, I kind of thought of, uh, about that a bit. I was like, this is also about some kind of a pledge week. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And once again, I just don't get it. Why would you want to pledge a sorority or fraternity? It just seems like a colossal waste of time, and these people Mm -hmm. are awful. I don't get it. No, it's a community.
2: You've got people that you can drink (laughs) with and, you know, girls who will do your hair for you. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I'm sold. (laughs) There you go. There you go.
0: I I mean, this is such a generalized statement, but uh, Joe, I know you're Canadian. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. were fraternities and sororities, like, a thing, like, a bigger thing there or less of a thing? I assume less of a thing. Oh,
2: very much less of a thing. They do still exist, but uh, I think under a lot stricter conditions, and they're not anywhere near the popularity, but like my husband went to Cornell and it was very similar to the this kind of model where you've got, you know, a, a whole section of campus that's just dedicated to a fraternity row or a sorority row. And right. it it's novel to me because like we also don't do proms the same way like we don't do homecoming in canada so a lot of the more stalwart u.s traditions are just so foreign to me that it's kind of like watching an alien movie myself
1: wow sure oh god love that
2: yeah
0: so back to the film we meet our main protagonist here chris romero which uh, <laughs> that name should <laughs> mean something right uh and he's played by jason lively who is the brother of teen witches robin lively and the half-brother of the equally fabulous blake lively never heard uh, of her who knew never heard yeah. of her yeah there, there must did be an age she, difference did there she right doing anything Just a or... yeah
1: <laughs> yeah yeah that oh, is kind of weird because i I guess Jason and Robin are pretty close in age I guess yeah but so what we're saying is Blake, Blake is the oopsie oh. baby <laughs> yeah. seems like it yeah <laughs> she
2: was never supposed to be born. Oh my but gosh. then she came out, and she had beautiful hair, so it was all forgiven. <laughs> yeah. It was oh. God, You're she's gonna gorgeous. You're going to be a star, kid. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know she wanna go watched watch... a sorority, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Definitely. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, Jason's acting career has not been so lively, so to speak. Um, he was in European Vacation and um, um, Brainstorm in 1985. Uh, not a whole lot since, it seems like. Um, this this she's movie funny. kind of, yeah he's attractive
2: uh uh, uh yeah ish <laughs> yeah, he's, he's look quick, my my know? my affinity for brad is already like a well-documented fact so i think i just maybe <laughs> have ah yes. <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> i love an albino what can i say <laughs> that's so offensive i apologize i apologize uh, to albinos you should not be associated with brad <laughs> with Brad the Bradster. The blonde Bradster.
1: hair, like the blonde hair just throws me for a loop every time. It just doesn't seem like it It feels fits. like it's shot have... in
2: black and white and the rest of it yes! is in color. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes.
1: I'm like wait a second. That doesn't is is that a wig? Like what is that? It's
0: that yeah, that very like I don't know why this has become sort of a trope with villains in general because you have, of course, like Billy Billy Idol, but then, you know, like Spike and Buffy and uh, uh, Draco Malfoy from Harry Potter. And it's like, why has this become, this bleach blonde thing, become a a trope of its own? But who knows? Um, We also meet uh, Chris's best friend, J.C. Hooper,
1: uh, who is played by, Mm
0: -hmm. yay, who is the, I guess, as you guys would say, in horror queers, the MVP probably of this film. Um, (laughs) It's true. And, uh he's played by Steve Marshall who also did this was kind of like his last acting role apparently uh so this this film seemed to kill a lot of careers i, I don't know why but
1: which is so depressing cuz i yeah. do think this is a great cast i don't yeah gather. yeah
2: I mean, that, yeah, they're all, yeah, like the jokes and the direction, and even to a certain extent, like the creature design, they're all really good. But this movie mm-hmm. doesn't work if you don't care about your central trio. And yes, I am exactly. including JC as part of the central trio because I, I really think all three of them are integral to the film's success. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Too. For sure.
0: Yeah, he, he lasts quite a bit of the movie. I think like 50 minutes in is when he gets, uh, we'll get to there, but you know, uh, so I, I would agree that he's definitely. Extremely integral to the plot here. Um and as you guys discussed in your bloody disgusting article, you know, there is it's really easy to read this character as this sort of gay best friend archetype. Um did you want to talk a little bit about
2: that? Because you've done more research on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think one of the big things is obviously that he's quippy, like he's a cervic, but uh there are a couple of very distinctive like dialogue sequences where jc actively talks about you know you could read it as a brotherly camaraderie when they have their little spat about like wanting to fuck each other but jc's <laughs> dialogue is all about like yes i i would like this and chris is kind of like well you would like that wouldn't you <laughs> jc's like mm, yes <laughs> i would mm-hmm. like this yeah. uh, but i think the i mean Again, ha-ha, you can always read that in a way that you want. But to me, it's the fact that JC, in his dying moments, leaves like this anguished phone call for Chris where he ends it by telling him that he loves him. And right. yeah, yeah, you could say, oh, this is just the love between two best friends. But guess what? In queer horror and in just uh, queer cinema in general, that's the codification that queers always pick up on like it's the subtle coding that we look for because these are often films that can't explicitly state what they're trying to say and I don't know I just think JC's dedication to his friendship and his willingness to be there for his friend to me speaks of amorous love
0: yeah I think uh, so many queer people have been in those situations where especially at that age and younger where you have a straight friend of course that you very quickly develop semi-romantic feelings for or even more than that but it's uh, it's, yeah it's easy to read that I think with this character Um, yeah he could he's a little bit of again kind of a proto-Randy Meeks type character as well Mm -hmm. because he's always spouting out all these horror references and uh, jokes and and we talked a little bit already, but I love the kind of quippy, fast-paced, fast-paced dialogue in this. It's very kind of proto-Scream and Buffy. And, um, I like, even early on, there's some line that's like, look, Chris, when you're depressed, I'm depressed. And I don't like being depressed. It's, well, you know, depressing. Like, that, that's a very, like, <laughs> Buffy-esque, like, line there. I love it. Yeah. Um, and then Chris spots a lovely co-ed named Cynthia Cronenberg. God, this name.
1: It sounds so familiar. I, don't I know. Where do I know that name from?
2: <laughs> we'll just call her Cece.
0: CC, That's
2: good.
0: Um, and CC is played by Jill Whitlow, who had done, like, small roles in Porkies, and she was in Thunder Run and Weird Science, uh, she, once again, did not have much of a career after this. Uh, oh, so I, I don't know what would happen. But
2: uh, no, it's, it's, so like, sad.
0: it's like Fred Decker's career kind of tanked. And a lot of these actors didn't yeah. do much. And I'm like, I, this is depressing. It's, it's, this movie uh, was not
2: that influential.
1: Why did it kill no, so many it really people's was not. careers? <laughs> this is so yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's almost like nobody saw this when it was released. <laughs> right, right. Oh.
0: And uh, Chris is like, you know, who's she? This This vision, this angel, this goddess. Um, and, uh, JC gets a lot of little, like, kind of catty one-liners too as well, which again plays up that, mm-hmm. uh, queer vibe there. Um, and the friendship reminds me a little bit of, um, Dawson and Pacey on Dawson's Creek as well. Uh, um, I, which again was another Kevin Williamson property. So I would just be interested to bring this film up to him. So if you ever have him on your podcast, <laughs> Joe, <laughs> please try to sneak in Night of the Creeps at some point and be like, was this a film that you ever saw or had any sort of influence by? Because I, I, I get some of that vibe um throughout this uh.
2: absolutely yeah
0: and then we go into the beta 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 epsilon house can't talk uh which is bopping some nice kind of new wave blasting (laughs) in the background uh, and we see that cynthia is being pursued by unibrow steve
2: so good i almost wish that he was her real boyfriend because it would it would just be such a great running gag to have through the rest of the film
1: I love him. He's actually very, very funny. I like that little scene that that they have. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, and then JC cuts in. He has that great line that's like, Cynthia, my time is limited, much like the intellect of (laughs) C. Yeah, and then in very typical 80s teen movie fashion, Chris and JC decide that the only way that they're going to get Cynthia to notice Chris is by pledging a fraternity because
2: that's what you do, I guess. Oh, man. I don't know if you Um, guys have seen uh, Vamp. With Robert Russler. Oh, I love VAM. Yes, it's been a long time, but yes. It really reminded me of this, like, we're going to join a fraternity so that we can meet girls, which of course is like a very common 80s kind of thing, but uh, Mm -hmm. this idea that it's just the launching pad into, like, a really disastrous night.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so true, though.
2: Just basically just saying, don't pledge a fraternity. Yeah. 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 Bad things happen.
1: That's why I never understood it because I watched all of this crap as a kid, and I was like, why would you want to do that? That clearly leads to death. I mean, come on.
0: Right. It was the catalyst for, like, every film we talked about during the sorority month. It it was always during these sort of pledge week activities. So it's like, just just don't don't do it. Like, and, And if you make the argument that horror somehow reflects real life to some degree, maybe it's just telling you don't do it
2: mm-hmm. yeah well, everybody so you know. everybody remembers that internet meme where it's like the sorority door opens and it's just like that wave of terrifying girls like in a pyramid on top of each other oh yeah <laughs> <Absolutely horrifying. laughs> that's where the real horror is
1: yes.
2: <laughs> white girls stacked oh. on top of each other
1: terrifying oh, oh.
0: i shudder at the thought yes oh. Yeah, and then of course we meet the other MVP of the film. Um, I guess <laughs>
1: peroxide, bleach blonde, hunky asshole Brad, yes. as we discussed. Yes, <laughs> he just walked right off of the set of a Falcon yes. video shoot. Yes. I was oh. like, oh, he just got double penetrated, and oh so he no, here? that's yeah. why he's so yeah, angry
2: wow. this whole movie. He's just like, yes. I just came from set, I haven't managed to clean up
1: yet. Also. He's <laughs> <he's Yeah>. <laughs> I'm a little crusty. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> She's dealing with some anal leakage. He'll be fine.
2: Oh, no. It was a fisting scene. It was bad. Oh, oh, yes. In the late 80s, it would have been, right? It would have been like a pylon, and then.
1: <laughs> so we're driving past the subtext now and going right into the. <laughs> yeah. He has a very fistable face. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. Yes. I, know. I don't yes. know who's or You for could fuck sure him. Not. He's the best villain. <laughs>
2: man
0: i think this is the farthest we've gone into the actual like queerness on this podcast which i love so keep it coming here yeah i actually always love those conversations that you and uh, trace have on horror queers too where it's they dig into the actual the queer because i I, some people are not willing to go to those depths and like actually talk about the actual queerness here and
2: uh, i appreciate that so it's good i think you just got to talk about it right i mean part of this is like it's a it's a reality of our lived existence, and I sure. apologize if it does make other people feel uncomfortable. We try to do it in funny ways, but like, no. let's be real. I mean, like Chris, when you said Falcon Video, I feel like the three of us just had this automatic reaction where we're like, <laughs> not only are we speaking each other's language, but like we understand yeah. that character archetype, and
1: exactly, it, like mm-hmm.
2: it it is a language unto itself.
1: It really for is, sure. yeah, for sure.
0: And then all the other frat guys look like they're some like yuppie Rob Lowe wannabes. Um, I mean, there
2: are some yes. real fuckos some in that fraternity. I'm not going to lie. Yes,
1: yeah. yes. Some of them look like they might have been held held back a few years. Oh, it just mm-hmm. they, they look like <laughs> they just look like they might have a few kids and maybe one more on the way. I don't know. It mm-hmm. just they 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 don't always look like they're supposed to be in college. But yeah, you know, they're like legacy pledges who just never left. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, Darren, you're going to yeah. have
2: to leave at some point. You can't just play beer pong until you're 30.
1: Like, but I want to. Oh, what are you Bummer man. About? Yeah. <laughs> How else am I going to meet chicks?
0: <laughs> so Brad sends the boys on a wild goose chase to steal a cadaver from this university medical center and leave it on the steps of a rival fraternity
1: house. <laughs> Which, uh, I have yes, one does. What? I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> These pranks are so fucking weird. <laughs> they just, are. I'm like, what? This is twisted. It's just like hey, hella so elaborate, gross. too,
2: but yeah. it
1: is. It's like, this is really a crime, guys. This isn't mm-hmm. like.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So sketchy. Uh, so Chris and JC break in. And they find this frozen nude male corpse. Um, and <laughs> they have that dialogue where it's like, are we sure he's dead? Well, I'm pretty sure we could safely say he's not well,
2: Chris. (laughs) (laughs) JC always has a joke for everything, which, again, very queer. I mean, I think it's just Uh, his defense mechanism for, like... Yeah. I mean, one of the other Mm -hmm. things is, like, we're not acknowledging that JC is also, like, he's a handicapped character, which I think in 1986 is a fucking... It's What? Like, my mind is blown. It's great Mm -hmm. to see that kind of representation, but you get the impression that JC has developed... His sarcasm as a coping mechanism, and you could say that that's for uh, his disability, or you could say that that's for his queerness, or you could say it's for both.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point because all of us as queer people develop that to some degree, um, just as a. And you guys have talked mm-hmm. about this on your podcast too, just as a way of um, living day to day life. And you have to be to avoid getting the shit beat out of you. Sometimes you have to be make it funny somehow. Yeah. You know, uh, that's true. Uh, if your you're making guests, them laugh. So... They're not punching you in the face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah that's a great point so that, that yeah it's another reason why we can sort of relate to this character here and yeah it is nice to see someone with a disability portrayed on screen here because one other like there was um, in Friday the 13th mm-hmm. um,
1: uh, oh, that poor guy. <laughs> yeah, mean, God. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so hot. Poor thing. So hot. Gorgeous. So hot. Gorgeous. Not Tom. to, like, <laughs> just, crying, you
2: know, right? make everyone an object of sexual desire, but, like, right. I do love that they cast the super hot guy for the wheelchair <laughs> character.
1: I know. True. <laughs> True. Yes. So yes great.
2: to that. Because oh. they are also sexually desirable objects. objects. Exactly. People.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Canceled my a,
0: no. yeah, a... <laughs> yeah, uh so they try to remove this corpse uh but it quickly drops and reaches out and grabs them so they run off um and then a slug darts out of this corpse's mouth and into a medical student working nearby uh, <laughs> and it just ugh.
2: but again the penetration aspect there is yeah. very queer as well and it's often male to male like there's a lot more male to male slug Big action going on in this very movie. true
0: like very friday true, the 13th yeah. uh, mm-hmm. part nine right with oh you,
1: jason goes to hell yeah which you guys
0: have done an episode on
2: mm-hmm. yes yeah
0: yes very uh, fun very fun very gay yeah so gay. and then uh <laughs> back in the dorm room jc gets a very gay monologue which we talked about a little bit where he's just like you know i push and i push and i don't give up and why you don't even know you don't even care because it's important to me that you're happy you know is that crazy so fuck you and then they have that little banter well fuck you too and they're like well, you you try it and like you'd let me you wish and it, it, oh, man like do straight people talk like this i don't know
1: uh it, it, it. I, good good question i i don't uh I mean, I've met enough of them. I would think I would know it. Right, I, right. I, I, I've never heard something quite like that before. <laughs> it just <laughs> keeps think. going, right? You know. It's, yeah. It is a little. Like, are they frat about to fuck? Boyish, it's
2: right? Like, I think the end of yeah. it is meant to put a comedic capper on it. But like, their mm-hmm. argument is the way that like people in a long-term relationship bicker with each other, where it's like, I'm yeah. trying to make you fucking happy, and you just won't do the dishes.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
2: Right. right very true. <laughs>
0: Yeah there's a little bit and uh I only bring up Buffy because I know Joe I know you're a big fan as well but like the uh the the, the kind of dynamic between Spike and um Xander when they're living together in the basement oh, yes. and it's like uh, I get a little bit of that here too where it's like oh you you totally bite me and it's like no I would not and it's like I'm totally biteable pal and it's just kind of keeps going back and forth like that and I love it Absolutely And then we cut to the haunted down on his luck copper detective ray cameron played by of course the legendary tom atkins i love
1: tom atkins so fucking
2: he's good so in this movie too him. right he i is.
1: once had a sex dream oh, yes you about did. him and ever since then i'm like is he really sexy or is it just <laughs> me <laughs> oh he's so sexy it's mustache <laughs> okay rides good so it's days. not just me okay he's yeah. really hot i just he's... there's like a thing about him yeah
0: he's neat his aura, there's something, yeah, yeah, in everything he's in you know, the fog and creep show and mm-hmm. Halloween 3 escaped in New, from New York. Just he has so many iconic roles um, within the horror genre, and uh, just definitely a legend in his own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, he has the iconic catchphrase in this of thrill me.
1: It's so good, it's so good. Can you imagine
2: though answering the phone with that?
1: <laughs> I people, wish I could, people I get so sick I of had it. The guts to, to, to just. Do that every time someone called. Like, no, don't call Ray. Just let it,
2: like, wait until you know he's not going (laughs) to be there so you can just get the machine because you don't want to have to deal
1: with throw me again. (laughs) But what if the machine is also that? It's just (laughs) beep, throw me, beep. and then. (laughs) Uh, I'd have
2: to hope so, right?
1: (laughs) I would assume it would be. I don't know.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: So uh, Cameron arrives at the medical center to investigate um uh, and then he has that line, of course. That's like, "What is this? A homicide or a bad B movie?" Again, so meta, right? So on the nose, <laughs> I love it. Oh, a little on the nose,
2: yeah. <laughs> um,
0: and as that is happening, the creeped out corpse makes its way slowly back to the sorority house um, where he uh, has picked up well, where he picked up his date twenty seven years ago previously. So I guess I guess that's the impetus for him going back to the sorority house. Um, and when it arrives, we see a studious sorority girl, presumably studying for a big exam. <laughs> which, by the way, Chris, this is a girl with glasses.
1: Yes. Oh, oh, I love them. I love them so much. She, loves she doesn't posts. do much here, but she
2: doesn't, loves them. Yeah. I'm, yeah. She's um, she's your lesbian coding in this film. Oh, yes.
1: Yes. She's yes, a lesbian, lesbian sorority girl. Man, that's um, why she joined. <laughs> yep. I get it now. I get it now. This is yeah, great. This is good. It's all about because the wet the, wild in the
2: shower room,
0: right? Yeah, that's the only reason to join a fraternity sorority. But
1: uh, I mean, that's the only, uh, only, only, thing I can possibly think of.
0: Uh, then we see Cynthia in her room, looking around, all paranoid. Also, she has this great like sting in the post, uh, sting in the police poster up, which I love that.
2: Uh,
0: <laughs> and suddenly, this, this corpse pops out outside her window and uh, spits a bunch of alien slugs, which then crawl all over the place and into the basement. Um, and Detective Cameron and the police arrive on the scene where he literally makes time to smell the roses. Did you notice that? <laughs> I did not, but I mean, it, I would He just walks into the sorority house, smells this rose, and then walks in. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, smells like my dead <laughs> lover. Hmm.
1: Yeah. I love it. So
0: and the yeah, cops so. conclude that this corpse had an axe wound in its head, which, uh, again, the forensics here, I, I'm pretty sure you could tell, like, what was actually happening there, but all right. Um... And the next day the school paper school newspaper reports headless corpse found in front of kappa delta and then underneath that student drama group to present julius caesar
2: (laughs) no everything is newsworthy you've got to make sure it all gets on there somehow
0: this is true this is true (laughs) yeah
2: i do like though that like like the condemnation both on the police force for not or sorry for the coroner for not getting that uh cause of death right and also for the newspaper Delivering misinformation.
0: Yes, oh, yeah. this is true. This is true. Yeah. Uh, then the the frat bros confront Chris and JC, and it was all like that was not cool, bros. Um, and then like like the <laughs> asshole, exactly
1: he what he says. That <laughs> is what he
0: says. Like direct quote. <laughs> that was not too cool, bros. Ugh.
1: His lingo <laughs> is really,
2: amazing. Brad? I love it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then like the asshole he is, he kicks out these crutches from JC,
2: which again like. The most asshole thing you could do.
0: Uh,
2: Yeah, it's the cue of a truly despicable character. But I also do like that this is the moment that Cynthia realizes, okay, he's a bad dude. Chris is a good dude. But once again, it's because of JC's action that Cynthia and Chris Mm -hmm. get together. That's true. true. That's true. Very true.
0: Yeah, he's kind of a a martyr in this film of sorts, Mm -hmm. which is... um, Which again is a
2: very queer role to play. Very queer. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I must die so that heterosexual love can prevail. (laughs) Which is what I constantly go around thinking like, where are my heterosexual friends? I need to fall on something and die so that they can find love. (laughs) If I had a dime, I'm going
1: to tell you.
0: Right. And we're we're seeing this even like to some degree with like uh that new RuPaul show where they're making over like straight celebrities even and it's like our our like purpose on Earth is not to make straight people feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. But it's, it
1: is, Kevin, uh, don't you know? I know. I mean it's the main reason why I refuse to watch queer pa- eye. I know that people
2: find it very cathartic, but I'm just like, I don't need to be a stereotype that improves the life of straight people. No.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, don't I agree. Get it. I, I don't agree. it just doesn't it doesn't really interest me, you know. It's yeah. No shade yeah, on the people who it, do like it. I, you know, whatever brings no, you joy no. in these dark times.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. The the boys are then called into custody by Detective Cameron, uh, who refers to them affectionately as Spanky and Alfalfa. <laughs> 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 which do 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 Gen Zers get that reference? Because of of course Probably it's a callback not. to the Little Rascals, which was in the fifties, but then they had the rebooted film in the nineties. Yeah, yeah, there was um, the
1: movie. I guess. I think Alfalfa, um, yes,
2: but without it, no. Yeah. yeah just Spanky would know. be like yeah. Yeah.
1: That, 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 that's a really good question, because I think the movie from the 90s is still pretty popular with – um, I, well, I guess they'd be millennials, really. Oh, I was going to say, we, are you going to call us people old. of a certain age? Oh, my right. God. We're old. Lord. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. Like Jamie Lee
0: Curtis in uh, Freaky Friday. I'm the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: And if we were to say that to someone in in the new generation, they'd be like, "Who? I, I, it, that's oh, oh man, this is getting depressing." Okay, <sighs> we need to stop. I know. We talked about this
0: <laughs> when we covered the faculty and disturbing behavior. We were like, "Are these movies too new?" And they were like, "This was twenty two years ago."
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> no, because the movies from the nineties were like a couple years ago to us, right?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. that didn't come out that long ago. And then I'm like, oh, oh, shit. You guys are going to mm-hmm. have so much
2: fun when you start to program. Uh, like, one of the strategies that we developed was uh, programming things around anniversaries. And as soon as you start paying attention uh. to anniversaries, that's when you start to feel old. Because you're like, this oh, movie only no. came out a couple of years ago. This movie is a decade old. motherfucker. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah, that just happened recently.
0: Because we e- even in the case of... Uh, psycho i realized that 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 brought up all these other thoughts in my head that like okay in 1990 night of the living dead was as old as like disturbing behavior is today mm-hmm. like it it's just like all these weird connections you realize and i, I think so the black and white smart. aspect is something too that kind of gets in your head and like oh this movie's so old and it's like it especially yeah. in the 90s was not old no. and it, right. it, but i don't know um Yeah, and then J.C., uh, back in the film, J.C. gets this great quote where he's like, you know, I personally would rather have my brains invaded by creatures from space than Pledge of Fraternity, which... Foreshadowing. (laughs) Foreshadowing, of course, right. But also Uh, the voice
2: of reason. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) And then that night, the dead um, nude medical student arises from a slab and walks right past a cop Mm -hmm. uh, without being noticed. (laughs) And that... Is kind of a running theme in this too that people they're so I think self-focused that they don't even realize when something is a (laughs) little bit different. We'll talk about the sorority girl later on, but yeah, it's, Oh, I love
1: that bit,
0: yeah. It's like none of the characters are (laughs) interacting with each other. They're always just kind of thinking about
2: themselves. And that's what makes it funny and sort of relatable to a degree, too. Which uh, is super funny, though, right? Because if this movie was made in, quote-unquote, contemporary times, reviewers would latch onto that as some kind of meaningful, like, oh, look at the state of society where, you know, people mm -hmm. are so absorbed in the newspaper or a book that they're just not even paying attention, except it would, of course, be, like, people's phones. Yeah. yeah yeah very true yeah because uh, you guys have covered tragedy girls i think and that it was mm-hmm. a very similar you know, thing there oh or, yeah. yeah so much it's comedy derived oh, from yeah. people just not paying attention to their surroundings because they're too <laughs> yeah. busy paying attention to social media right <laughs> i don't right. relate by the way where are we? i, I think... was on a twitter thread for a moment there
0: yeah exactly <laughs> i i think it has just gotten even worse in this pandemic because what do you have to do you know all you have to do is check your phone all the time and it, pretty much it's, no. it's 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 man mm-hmm. um yeah, uh, and then we get another scene where Brad is just being a total asshole on the phone because that's his only really character defining trait in this, um, besides being attractive in a weird, uh, pale way, as we've uh,
2: <laughs> described. Is um, he in a tiki bar? Does it? Seem it like, looks he's like it. Calling from a tiki <laughs> it bar. It looks like
1: it. Like... Yeah. 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 What's that about?
2: Yeah. I mean, I know it's um, like it's the bar that they have set up in the fraternity house, and obviously it's uh, it's well. Designed as a set in terms of, yes, this has all the hallmarks of men who were maybe not raised well enough and are living together (laughs) communally. But I do love the fact that, yeah, he, he looks like a really shitty cocktail impersonator. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Very true.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then we also see our trademark girl with glasses, um, she hears something outside so she goes to check on it again and this time the cat is there but a little bit different um (laughs) zombie cat (laughs) (laughs) yeah with like uh mites and stuff crawling out of its face and uh, yeah it's um (laughs) something's a little bit off with this cat
2: right i do love these effects Uh, though like there's something so kind of hammy but also Mm -hmm. affectionately i don't know like it, it's not state-of-the-art, and I appreciate that.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's very charming, and uh, yeah. uh, the practical aspect of it definitely plays well today. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas sometimes, even when you go back, and I'm sure you guys find this all the time on your podcast, but when you go back and watch something like from the early 2000s, it's like, this does not hold up at all, because this CGI just looks terrible! Oh, yeah. Or I guess yeah. it can be make, it become a joke in itself, which can be fun to talk about, but still...
2: Yeah, um, but it can definitely cut down on the the kind of enjoyability of a movie. Like if you're just constantly being distracted, like our our biggest yeah. issue is always CGI blood
1: because it just oh, looks oh, like garbage. Yeah, <laughs> that's always... yeah, you yeah. can always tell yeah. every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Whereas this, it's like uh, you know unequivocally, like oh yeah, that is that is a prop cat. That is someone animating it with their hand, most likely. But uh, mm-hmm. it it works because it probably has aged. Exactly the same as everything else that you would expect, which is to say, like it looks the same now as it would have back in eighty six,
1: right? True, yeah, true.
0: And this film is supposed to be, uh, you know, intentionally shocky. I'm schlocky. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, and so it plays really well to that degree as well. I mean, they're not pulling any punches with that and worrying about, Oh, is this, will this look realistic or not? I'm like, it's not really supposed to look, it's all supposed to be very heightened um, and elevated. And I think that again, is also a very queer thing in terms of just making everything really over the top and uh, extravagant and not pulling any punches with that. Mm -hmm. Um, This film is not subtle at all. (laughs) So, no. (laughs) um, and then Cynthia shows up at the boys dorm and Chris, Chris is just like, hi, because he's this (laughs) awkward straight guy you can't get any words out um although we've all been there to some degree uh, when we're around someone um like if i was around james marsden of course it would (laughs) this would come well i mean come on (laughs) understandable (laughs) or as we saw in disturbing behavior i would just start bashing my head into the mirror (laughs) over and over again
1: (laughs) having or you just be like uh katie holmes and and you know just go hey hey (laughs) because that's because that's just the code now just right
0: That's how people interact
2: in in those yeah. movies, yeah.
0: Um,
2: <laughs> but she does have her hair up, and she is wearing a belly top, so she's like a total rebel. Sure.
0: Oh, uh, our that
2: the, the Wipes episode we did was
0: really eye opening in a lot of ways in terms of you know what was being discussed then, and and then I think when you get to the eighties, a lot of those themes kind of get pushed to a side to some degree. You still get these great oh, boy, like Final yeah. Girls and everything else, but it's like they were building yeah. so much momentum during the women's right women's liberation movement in the seventies that like this kind of escapist kind of fun horror kind of takes over in the 80s and you kind of have to it's all very subtextual and um but
1: um yeah well i mean if you look at something like black christmas the heroine of that film is not the kind of person who would be the heroine of like you know friday the 13th part 12 it's just Mm -hmm. not She's got a point of view. She's unapologetic and she, you know, she's very strong and that is, uh, you know, of course that was 74, you know, and uh, you just don't get those types anymore um, because everyone wants everybody to, to, to just be likable and to not, you know, step on anyone's toes and just be nice and pretty and that's it yeah yeah and i think we kind of lost that somewhere in the 80s and it, that kind of bums me out a bit i yeah. i think we were on to something there and then it was like nope it's true people
0: talk about these like uh the final girls like you know they were the ones who really you know kicked this into gear but like like we just said it was really it goes back further than that and even further than that really but you know especially oh, yeah. in the 70s when during mm-hmm. the women's of the so uh you know, relating that back to this film, Cynthia just does not get a whole lot to do, I mean you know, you know she's not know. she's not the star of the film, but she doesn't get right. a
1: ton
2: to do, and um, no, a little bit later is... on in the film, but yeah. Well, it's interesting, yeah, right? I mean, because I guess, in know. a way, Cynthia becomes the model for a lot of the final girls that we see into like the aughts and the twenty tens, where it's True. a bit of I hesitate to demean because I actually think Cynthia is a very good character, but you're not wrong, like she. She basically is handed a weapon, and then she becomes a bit of a badass, but there isn't... She doesn't get that arc. She's not a rich character. She's not even really the main character. Like, that role belongs to Chris. Um, But it, it feels a bit like faux feminism, where you're like, well you know yes. all girls need is a flamethrower and then they can be badasses mm-hmm. and that message mm-hmm. gets diluted as we progress into the aughts where it's like well all you need is like a chicken a belly top with a flamethrower and then this movie yes. is feminist as
1: fuck mm-hmm. right yes totally. thank you that 100%. has been bugging me for years now where it's just like give her a shotgun and all of a sudden she's you know it it, it, it just doesn't i mean that's I feel like we always have to go. We have to go to the uh, the last Halloween film, oh, but that's one of my main <laughs> problems with that. Is that it's like, well, she has a shotgun, so she's a badass now. I'm like, but she doesn't have a character. I mean, right. I don't like that. Just bugs me. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not willing to put. And by they,
2: I mean mostly male screenwriters and a lot of male mm-hmm. studio heads. And you know, we're yeah. I think we're probably all on the same wavelength in terms of. Like, there's a lot of patriarchy and misogyny that is dominating the film industry. And we're hopefully seeing some kind of reckoning right now. But I think a lot of those decisions. It almost feels like a weird sexist tokenism, where it's like, well, we can, right? You can have one or the other. You can have interesting female characters, but they are going to be in dramas, or they're going to be secondary characters mm-hmm. that we're going to murder early on in a horror film. Right. And if you want to so, have that yeah. badass final girl, then you know we got to make sure that she's got some kind of heteronormative love interest. Uh, you know, she's got to be thin. She's got to be white. She's got to be smoking hot. And you're just mm. like, uh, okay, I, yeah. is this advancement, question mark? Exactly. Very true. And when, pe- when it, people
0: talk about the kind of, uh, the history of horror, of course, it's usually the straight men who are driving that discussion, so they often don't address a lot of these films, like, from the 70s, like, like, Stafford Wives, and Messiah of Evil, and, uh, blah, blah, Let's Scare Jessica to Death, and then even, like, more recent stuff, like, um, uh, what, uh what lies beneath and you know, that period in the early 2000s where you had these kind of female driven supernatural thrillers mm-hmm. um they just kind of get overlooked and yet we as queer people queer queer people tend to really gravitate toward these films so that's been yeah. one nice thing about doing you know podcasts like this and uh, i'm sure you find some more things where you can point people uh to these films that the like straight people are not talking about as much oh, yeah
2: um, yeah it's it's honestly a constant battle trying to recommend something that falls even remotely outside of everybody's lane where like sure. like the number of people that have you know, DM'd us or message us and be like so I really love the podcast but I want you guys to talk about you know I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend and Valentine and like they've got about a five year window and they're all slasher films and we're just like it's yeah. great yeah. like we love those films too but yeah you know we also want to talk about a film from the seventy like you know, our mm-hmm. our next written piece is going to be about Alucarda because it's a film that yes. deserves oh, to point. be seen and it's interesting and mm-hmm. there's yeah. lots of things to talk about. But, you know, mm-hmm. those are the, the episodes that people are like, mm, I just didn't like this one quite
1: as much. You're like, okay. That's yeah. weird. That's so bizarre to me. Yeah. I, I don't know. I Maybe we just have like a thing for an underdog. I don't know. Oh, 100%. But... Yeah. It... It's so weird. And and like you said, Joe, like a lot of this is on the eighties. Like they,
0: before this, you know, it, it, this was not as big of a thing, but it's like when you get to the eighties, like it becomes all about the slashers and, Mm -hmm. and and, uh, we love slashers. Like, I mean, we, we did a whole month of slashers, but it's like, there's more than just slashers out there and more than just the blood and guts and everything else. And I don't know.
2: Mm -hmm. And I think Um, it's, it's discouraging, too, when people say that they like horror movies, but then they only want to talk about slasher films. And you're like, that's just mm-hmm. a like, that's a particular cycle. And even yeah, something like, like Night of the so Creech, like where it's daring to say, We're, it's kind of a slasher, but it's also an alien film. And it's also a body snatcher film. And, you know, it's a bit of a critique about the the fraternity and sorority, like the Greek system. Like, there's a lot going mm-hmm. on in this movie that merits discussion but I feel like a lot of people would just be like, Oh, I don't really like alien movies.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this, this one just, it, it just runs the gamut of like the, the, the genres that it's really paying homage to and everything else. Uh, which is to say, you know, listeners, if you, if you watch this film and yeah, you find something interesting, you know, go research maybe some other, I don't know, alien movies or zombie movies or even slashers if you're not a big slasher person um, because yeah. this is a nice little, like, again, gateway to a lot of these other movies. So mm-hmm. it's nice. It is. It's, um, it's
1: it's it's like a kind of a sort of sampler platter. Yeah. You, know? you get <laughs> yeah. like a little yeah. bit of everything. It's yeah. nice.
0: Delicious. Yes. Um so back to the film, that was a good little segue, though, that was, um, or a uh, sub-discussion, so cool. Uh, JC then starts to feel like the proverbial third wheel here with Chris and Cynthia, um, so he leaves them alone, again, sacrificing himself, mm-hmm. and in this case, literally sacrificing himself, which is very sad. It's uh, one of the saddest scenes in the film, actually. It's uh,
1: really sad, it's so I gotta sad. say. Oh, <sighs>
0: He, he does, but again, he stays alive for 50 minutes of the film, which is not bad for, like, a 90-minute movie, so mm-hmm.
1: not That's, bad. It's not bad. It's not
0: bad. Yeah. Uh, Chris walks Cynthia back to the sorority house and runs right into Detective Cameron, <laughs> um. who, who is then, like, zombies, exploding heads, creepy crawlers, and a date to the formal. This is classic <laughs> Spanky. <laughs> like, like It's like you said, Joe. He It's like he thinks he's in this, like, noir, yes. like, 40s <laughs> <porties Yeah>. film. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like he basically oh, never progressed hilarious. from that period in the 50s when he lost his girlfriend like he's in suspended animation along with that guy yeah. that was literally suspended in animation
0: wait that's a good that's a very good point because yeah he's, getting uh, deep. he could be sort of traumatized by that event and he never really yeah. got past that and in a state of arrested development of who he used to be and yeah. uh <laughs> i don't think that i don't know maybe that was what decker was going for but uh, it's it's uh it's a fun thing to think about there mm-hmm. cool um uh da, 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 da. this is also where we learned that cameron hunted down and killed the asylum patient at the beginning of the film who murdered his girlfriend back in 1959 and then buried the body in a lot um that is now the film's uh, de facto sorority house mm-hmm. uh, and then back at said sorority house the axe-wielding zombie rises up um and murders the sorority house mom which more, i wish we had got more scenes with her um
1: I, I think that's her only scene, right? I think, I so. think so. Yeah, she's mentioned she's so that just... we don't meet her
2: until this scene, and she's kind of a hoot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see more of her, because I will say that in most of these sort of sl- slasher flicks, the house moms are always the best part. I love they them.
0: Carrie so Fisher fun. in Sorority Row was our favorite part of that movie. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: Mrs. Mack in uh, Black 100%, Christmas. Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Movie alligators i don't know what she's actually saying, <laughs> but i love it that's great i love her yeah uh um
0: cameron arrives and uh shoots the corpse in the head which then disperses the alien slugs all over the place which good move there bro mm, um
1: so gross th-
0: then we get the like classic montage of all the college students preparing for the formal dance yep. i love a montage so yeah, me much. too
1: me too it's so much fun it is i love it this feels a very like
2: <laughs> and animal hosts, too, for, like, just the briefest of moments where you're like, oh, look at all these kids. They're going to have so much fun. They're going to smoke so much grass. They're going to have unprotected sex. Oh, they're all dead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yep,
0: yep, yep. And we also get the obligatory, sleazy uh, girls-in-the-shower tit-shot. Of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gotta Gotta have that
1: that the eight. It's the 80s, you know? It's the 80s, yeah. Um, If it was the 90s, you wouldn't, but it's the 80s, so... And then we see
0: the beginning of this trope that we've talked about a few times now, and that is Chris finding this recorded message from JC that was left pos- posthumously, um, which is, again, very disturbing behavior, and Scream 3, and it, it's this trope that kind of is... comes back multiple times. I think it's actually done yeah.
1: the best here. Oh, yeah. because well, because it, there's actually a point. Yeah, it tells you something you didn't one, already though. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of just like, hey, remember me? I'm back. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's like, uh, at least you actually do learn that, you know, the uh, the flames will kill these cre- creatures. Yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so sad at the end where he says that he loves mm-hmm. him. That's so mm-hmm. sad. Mm-hmm. It's very oh. interesting, though, too.
2: Like, this is, as I mentioned earlier, I, I mean, I look at JC as one of the three main characters of this film. And he's one of the only characters in this movie whose death we don't really get any hint of like we see Mm -hmm. him on the floor of the bathroom and the slug coming at him and then we don't see him leave this message and it's not until later that we just see this like horribly burnt face corpse right um which again is like if you're reading jc as a queer character he committed suicide so it's a queer character committed suicide to protect his like straight friend uh, for the purposes yeah. of humanity, like used his dying <laughs> breath to leave this message for the man that he loved. It's, uh, oh. it, it's, it's, it's in a way, it's almost like a classic queer narrative in a disturbing way. In yeah, some totally,
1: ways, yeah, totally. yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> the way you just said humanity, I, j-
1: I just have to say, I have never, I've never seen a boiler room in in person, and I'm starting to feel like they don't exist. <laughs> they're only sets. I've never seen one because they're in every. 80s horror film ever and i'm like right i've never seen one
0: well freddy krueger really kicked that off right i I don't remember too many before that where you saw a lot of boiler rooms but then suddenly they're everywhere and it's it was like a thing yeah
1: and and i'm like i've never seen one that's really depressing i would like to see one yeah i feel like it should just be
2: the basement like i don't know that we need giant pipes
1: (laughs) yeah right yeah it's so
0: bizarre And then blah, blah, more Brad sulking. Who cares? Um, Although, I mean, I care. It's very funny. Yeah, yeah. Joe cares. Sorry, sorry. Not to like, disregard your your
2: feelings here. Please don't vanquish
0: our love. That's our our kind of MO, right? We invite people onto our podcast and then we be right there.
1: (laughs) Why do you like Brad? What's wrong with you?
2: yeah <laughs> my mother didn't hold me enough as a child and now i want people like brad in my
0: life <laughs> well We've that's okay there. when we talked about the faculty i was like really like all about robert patrick and he's a dick in that movie like even before he gets turned so like it's yeah it's, oh, a, awful, it's, yeah. A, it's a it's a thing oh, Kevin, who um, you, you? i know i know uh, exactly oh,
1: exactly I mean, no. so god weird. we don't have
0: enough time right so, to go through that list it's a whole other uh, podcast yeah it's a whole other podcast um <laughs> He does get that funny line in this, Brad, where he's like, it's not really a line. It's just a word where he's, bitch, and then he just throws his <laughs> beer bottle every
2: <laughs> He's just very upset. It, like, classic Brad. He does not know how to handle his feelings at all.
1: Right. He does Brad. not. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's a very straight guy thing of, like, let's just keep everything repressed. And even though you live with a bunch of other guys that you could be talking to about these things, you don't. Yeah, because no. it's not masculine. And, ugh this dog walks by and of course is also zombie dog zombie dog. Yes. And spits a slug right into his face. Mm. And again, very penetrated, very penetrated there. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Cameron is just like sulking at home, listening to some jazz music. Um, (laughs) when Chris storms in with the news that they got alfalfa and, uh, Chris then sort of explains how aliens work where he's like, they go in through your mouth and they lay eggs in your brain. And then I guess you die, but then your corpse keeps, you know, moving along. Mm So this this really is a zombie movie, while also yeah. being a body snatchers movie. So
2: yeah, I would argue that uh, I think a lot of people, not ungenerously, misread it as a principally a zombie film. But the fact that people mm-hmm. have agency after the infection and they're driven to do things based off of like their human uh, characteristics, to me, that references sure. a bit of body snatcher. For sure. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah, thank you for justifying us picking this movie.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone would be like, that's not a Body Snatchers movie. I was worried about that when we talked about The Stafford Wives because when, I think when people think about Body Snatchers, they just think, oh, it's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah which just, again, goes to show that Body Snatchers can be, there's a whole spectrum of Body Snatchers, right? It's yeah. true. No, it's nobody true. puts
2: Body Snatchers into the corner. Yeah. They do
0: not.
1: <laughs> uh, and live to tell about it. And live sure. to tell, it.
0: yeah,
2: yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Cameron and Chris head to the police department uh, where we get the great cameo by uh, oh,
1: fantastic Dick Miller.
0: Dick Miller yep. Uh, from I love him. Gremlins, The Howling, Chopping Mall. And every film ever made. Every film ever,
1: <laughs> ever, ever made. This to me 100% feels like, working. hey,
2: I have a friend and I'm going to call him. He's going to do me a favor by showing up for this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for, definitely,
0: sure. Definitely. for sure. For <laughs> Yeah, and for... Fortunately, this police department just happens to have a flamethrower lying around, which, uh, not to get too political here, folks, but, you know, maybe this is why we're saying that we need a little more oversight in these police departments.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, really. What else did they have back there? (laughs) I just love, because I think that's why I've never trusted the police, because I I watched all of these as a kid, and the police never do shit. Hashtag. Yeah. Um, It's a trope, but um, uh,
0: there's some reality things there, too. It's pretty realistic. um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, So, yeah, they get the flamethrower. Yeah, just the one flamethrower, right? So I'll give them some credit there. They only have the one flamethrower line, right? Just just the one. Just that one. Um, The other one's in the shop, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, a slug dog causes a bus crash and turns all the frat guys (laughs) into these zombies. (laughs)
2: So (laughs) hilarious. It's so great
0: and brad then arrives well zombie brad then arrives at the sorority house and we get like the best scene in the movie right i
1: love Where? it cindy brad's here <laughs>
0: I'm so sure. I'm so sure. Very hilarious, Brad.
1: I just love how they have no idea that he looks deformed now, and they're just having a regular conversation. I mean, his
2: face is basically just a little paler than usual. If we're being, <laughs>
1: yeah. being honest, like Brad, you could really use some tan. Yeah. Okay, let's just let's go to Boca Raton. Come on. <laughs> Oh gosh,
0: um, what what was that scene from um, Hell Night when we covered it? When she was looking in the mirror and what did she say? Oh yeah, it's like oh these quailers are awful on my skin. <laughs> yeah, I love <laughs> it, that. It's like completely haggard and everything. <laughs> oh Brad, oh Brad. Um, uh, and then I love when Cynthia is breaking up with Brad. And again, this whole time, he's just this rotting corpse. And <laughs> There's like slugs coming out of his mouth. They're
1: going, bloop, flopping down. It's so great.
2: But this is all about her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how you know yeah. that their relationship was like ridiculous, right? Because with the true exactly. love true. story in this movie, we get this heartfelt goodbye that JC leaves on the tape for his mm-hmm. lover. Whereas here, you're like, oh, your lover is also dead, except we're just going to play for comedy.
1: Yeah. Yes, very exactly. true.
2: Very true. (laughs) Yes. Um, Let's
0: see. Uh, Chris then fries Brad's corpse with a flamethrower. And then apologizes. Sorry, Brad. Don't take it personal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the rest of the zombie brat guy brigade finally arrives, and uh, Cameron gets that iconic film tagline where... I've got good news and bad news, girls. The good news is your dates are here. The bad news is they're dead. God, yeah.
1: oh, that <laughs> is so probably iconic. like one of the top ten best ta- taglines of all yeah. time. It is. It is. It so encapsulates perfect.
0: everything about this movie. Um, you it know does. exactly what you're going to get. Whereas some taglines, you're like, that tells me nothing about the film. Like, <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like there will be
0: blood. Huh? Yeah. What? What? Okay. What? Oh, oh, okay. That's also just a yeah. different movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> even the titles are awful something like i mean uh you guys just covered shout out to your uh, butcher butcher nightmaker episode oh, Jesus, God. it's like oh that poor movie that poor title and like the night warning was just as awful of a title yeah. and like they're what the fuck is a
1: night warning yeah. what is yeah. that oh man
2: yeah
1: <laughs> no one saw that because the title sucked yeah. so bad yeah well yeah.
2: there's another yeah. one like, where I'm just like I have no idea how they would have tried to sell this movie <laughs> like I know how right? do come you come for the, state for the homophobia yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, true. it's true god that movie oh yeah it's so good I just oh, love that the, oh, the,
0: I'm, I'm, you guys talk about that but you know that the cop is actually the, the main villain of that movie and not he you know, is right? it's, uh, yeah. yeah. the homophobic cop yeah it's a, it's a douchebag thing. yeah um I, I would love to see more of, of even, even Night of the Creeps to some degree. You know, talked about more uh, that you know. I love that there is this great um, uh, um, documentary out there. You know, with a uh, um, about Nightmare on Elm Street too. Um, shout out to um, Tyler, uh, Tyler, Jensen, Tyler, and uh,
2: Roman Chianti.
0: T- a shout out to them because it's it, it's a wonderful documentary. I would just love to see some of these other like campy and queer horror films discussed in that same regard because there are more of Tyler, them in the '80s yeah. that like even Fright Night is so fucking oh gay. God, God. so gay. Yeah, uh, I think so. Yeah, and they so did like, have
1: a documentary, but I don't, I don't think they really touched upon it that much, though. Like
0: barely for like a minute. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, I think in this like three-hour documentary, like, yeah. I
2: think what's yeah. going to happen is we're going to maybe see some renewed interest in some of this when Shutter's queer horror documentary comes out, which I think is meant to happen in the fall or at least before the end Ooh. of the oh, year. Fantastic. So I'm hoping right. that people will oh, start so. to like kind of peek up and be like, "Oh wait, this is queer," but I never thought that was queer. Oh,
1: oh yeah. queer! Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? Well, if you I'm were listening to the about... queer
0: horror podcast, you would know exactly. <laughs> yeah, you might know. You might learn something, kids. Yeah, because I promise we're not just like reading into these things too much. I mean, maybe sometimes, but
1: it's 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 there and every now and then we might
0: it was very i listened to um the episode this this, okay the fantastic suspiri episode that um Mm -hmm. uh, gilord's just posted and of course they still need to listen to it they go into this thing you know they really address the queerness of it all and the directors are validating a lot of this so
1: it's wow we're
0: not like reading too much into this a lot of the times folks well particularly not when your
2: directors are fucking queer like
0: yeah yeah. well that kind of helps yeah (laughs) for sure (laughs) Which is, is I think Fred Decker married women. I I, I don't know. He is not, I didn't look too much yeah, about him. He
2: is he is a straight person, unfortunately. I feel yeah. bad for him. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. Poor guy.
2: Oh, Fred. <laughs> He's a recovering...
0: We still love you. Yeah. <laughs> recovering heter- heterosexual, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, Once yeah. Once said it, Brad uh, had a stuck in the our... falcon
2: set. He would have been fine.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then back in uh, Creep Land here, we have uh, Chris and Cynthia team up to burn the outside zombies while Cameron clears the house. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it, at first, Cynthia seems, you know, just kind of scared and frightened and everything, but then she does like, really take over with the flamethrower and uh, at least get some good moments there. Yeah, she's pretty um, adept at it. And I appreciate They're still kind of talking about these um, frat guys like they're, to some degree, normal frat guys. Like, mm-hmm. Cynthia's oh, like, right. oh, don't these creeps take no for an answer? It's like... <laughs>
2: Like,
1: they're zombies oh, well. like
2: <laughs> you fully cannot rational or you, you yeah you can't uh rationalize with these people anymore right right
1: no, yeah they are they are gone they are on a whole
0: different level now yeah and uh then uh chris takes this lawnmower and slices off the head of one of the other zombies or i guess slice might not be the best word but just like obliterates mm-hmm. it <laughs> later dude um <laughs>
2: Which I love, because I can't wh- I can't see a lawnmower in a horror movie without thinking of Dead Alive. And then I realize Dead Alive same, comes out after yeah. this movie.
0: Yeah. Um then a bunch of slugs rush down into the basement and um Cynthia reminds us that there just happens to be this box of brains down there, which we made a point of earlier because it's Chekhov's brain oh, box, yeah, right? Exactly. Um <laughs> and uh Chris and Cynthia run out of the house and Cameron decides he's gonna be the martyr, the hero. Um uh, and just blow up the, the house while he's still inside, thereby destroying what we believe are most of the slugs um, that exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, that's kind of the big climax of the film. Um, and then we get the... Depending on what version you watch, listeners...
1: Um, the,
0: the, I, did, did you guys watch the director's cut? I watched the director's cut, but, I mean, it's...
1: I watched theatrical. Oh, no. Okay. So, Chris, you got the bad one. Just boy. for old time's sake. I know, I know. But, see, I had seen the director's cut recently, so I so I just thought... I'm going to try the theatrical one again, just because it had been a while. And, uh, well, remind us, I don't know. Remind us of what happens in that, that one. So it, uh, the sorority house is up in flames and, you know, uh, Cynthia and Chris have like a nice little kiss. And then the zombie dog comes up and she's like, oh, hey, and the dog opens its mouth and spits a, a slug into hers and then it just cuts to black so gotcha. yeah so a little bit dark. of a downer a little bit of a downer yeah i was like this doesn't really fit the tone of the rest of the movie no the, so much. i think the director's it's, cut is, is a little more fitting where uh,
0: the camera pans to this kind of charred zombified cameron who's walking to the cemetery and then the slugs burst out of his head and they go into uh, the graves that are there um but then you get one final singer where this spaceship fly from the beginning of the movie flies overhead and is searching for the slug so you don't know if they're going to find him or not um yeah it, i like that
2: yeah it feels like it brings B-movie. the movie full circle again because if not then it does. you know the the aliens are just the impetus for this disease but it feels really odd like it, it feels incomplete mm-hmm. Whereas here, you're like, oh, okay, we're bringing this back full circle, and also we're still setting up for a sequel, which, of course, will never happen.
1: Exactly. <laughs> of course. Unfortunately. Oh, man, I wish it had. Yeah, that's a, that's a good but point. Yeah, yeah. What's really strange is that when, when, when they would play this on TV, they kept the original ending, mm-hmm. which is so strange that they wouldn't use the theatrical one. I just thought that was so bizarre. So I don't know what the reasoning was behind that but I just thought that was odd that you know it's straight they got that one because yeah it's a very TV like twilight zone ending so it's like you would
0: think they would ink with that but who knows why these things you know happen the way they do we talked about that with disturbing behavior how like Mm -hmm. that cut is completely different than what they even released on blu-ray and it's like why it is why do these things
2: happen i don't know yeah Um, i think there's there's probably some behind the scenes shenanigans that are happening but i i would argue with this film it's probably because they didn't have access to that footage could be, yeah. I, it I could be. I so. don't know. Chris, you might remember this because you said you had seen it uh like a couple of times over the years, but I don't know if the extended director's or sorry, not the extended I don't know if the director's cut was available on those other iterations, or was it something that Scream Factory dug up?
1: It was I, I think the first time it was shown was I wanna say it was on uh what is it called? Um monsters hd or something it it was some kind of a a fairly short-lived uh platform i don't know whatever happened to to that but i remember they played it and they had the original Hmm. ending okay and then it was on the dvd in i guess it was 2009 or 10 Hmm. um but that was the first time it was widely shown i think uh and that's that pretty much wraps up you know the film
0: there um Uh, did did you both have any stray thoughts we didn't end up touching on?
2: I just think that this movie is like a little gem and I really hope that more people Mm -hmm. will take the time and effort to kind of check it out because it's just such a love letter to a bunch of different types of horror films and even if you don't understand Mm -hmm. all the references, it's really just a blast like the actors are having so much fun it's whip smart but it moves at a fast yeah. pace like this is a, a less than 90 minute mm-hmm. movie and it packs a lot of stuff in so i just i totally. think it's a super fun like night in kind of movie
1: totally same here yeah same here. and
0: very it just feels very formative for a lot of the things that came after it especially in the 90s with the these kind of meta um, horror films and I don't think it really gets the credit that it deserves. Yeah. It's like I I hear people when they talk about meta horror it's just like oh yeah scream was like the first thing ever and it's like mm, oh yeah let's go back a little bit further really? and uh <laughs> yeah and fred decker just seems like a a uh, just a huge nerd like all of us and um it's, it's nice, always nice to see those kind of people writing these films rather than people that have never seen a horror film in their mm-hmm. life, you know, making oh, something. Those are always the worst. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it's like you, you can always tell because they'll be like, okay, what if a character opened up a mirror in a bathroom and someone was behind it? And you're like, <laughs> um... Okay. I've never seen that before. That's or the, the refrigerator funny. door, right? That's a thing too. Yeah. are like, what if this person had a knife and a mask? Oh my god. It's like, um I hate to break it to you, honey, but that's a. it's been done a few no, times. No, but the mask is based on a Star Trek character. Oh like what? <laughs> 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 oh gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's just crazy to me.
0: Yeah. It's um, They always know. I think it's it's one of the like best horror sci-fi comedies of all time and i just Mm -hmm. yeah it needs more love and uh if you're into listeners if you're into films like ghostbusters there's a lot of that in Mm -hmm. here there's a lot of like scream even though that came after it's just it it brings so many things together and and i get like for some people it might be too much you know it, it does try to hit on so many different things but um I think the characters, Joe. I think you mentioned this earlier. Just are really what ground it and make it, even though it is so crazy. You have these really relatable characters that keep everything moving along yeah. and we're, we stay invested, and that's great. And a gay best friend who, yeah, we we love. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Well, uh,
2: thanks so much for coming on, Joe. This was a blast. Yes. Yeah, Thank I you so had much. a ton of fun. Thanks for letting me get my night of the creeps on. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. Um, and then, of
0: course, we have everyone's favorite question, right? Where is the best place to follow you and um, all your work? <laughs> uh,
2: easiest way is just to track me down on Twitter or Instagram. I am at Remote, and that's the letter B. And if you want to check out the show, you can follow it on all the platforms at HorrorQueers.
0: Okay, awesome. Right. Yeah, um, and of course, folks, if you want to follow us, you can follow us on Hohh Podcast. That's on Facebook and Twitter. And then on Instagram, we're at homos on Haunted Hill. Um And, uh, we have, I guess, one more week left of body snatchers. We haven't actually decided what we're going to cover yet. We have some good options, but it's just kind of narrowing it down because there's one final Tuesday in June. So we'll see. Yeah, It's a long month, right? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's just never ending pride, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm so proud. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been such a such such a month. Um, but, and then we will be announcing what we're going to be covering next month as well. Uh, and it's a really fun theme and I'm excited to uh, tell everyone about that as well. So, and, and of course, you know, uh, go follow Horror Queers right after you get, listen, get done listening to it I'm, sure, I'm assuming most of you are have already been doing so, but if you are not already doing I so, think please so. Just, right? uh, and uh, yeah, thanks Joe for, and you and Trace have just really been, have, have opened up a lot of um, avenues for us in particular. Um, I think I really like connected with Chris through that group that you guys created on Facebook even so like in you know, a lot of ways you guys true, yeah. were an impetus for this podcast even existing. So oh, thanks wow, a lot. That's so sweet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well we'll see you all next week. Goodbye everybody. Goodbye. Thrill me. <laughs>